Here we go again. Uh, action. Hello, you're listening to Five Years Time, the podcast. I'm Darcy. And I'm Harry. Smashing it already. <laughs> been a while hasn't it it has i'm feeling very rusty are you i'm actually feeling a little bit nervous to be behind the mic again are you looking forward to it though i'm very much looking forward to it we've got some good guests haven't we we have new year new season new year new season let's get it going sorry i had a, I had a burp <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna put that in <laughs> you're not gonna put that in. i am you're not i am why is it the last episode i ever do okay <laughs> Happy belated new year, by the way. We hope 2022 has begun epically for you. And if not, don't worry, there's still a good 300 and something. We've got plenty of time to turn it around. 300 and something days to turn it around. There we go. We haven't done this in a while as life has been rather hectic, hasn't it, babe? It has indeed. What have we been up to? We've had job interviews. Job interviews. You had a back injury for a while. I did. And then a birthday. Birthdays, Christmas. All that bougie stuff. All the bougie stuff too, yeah. (laughs) But we now have a fab selection of guests lined up and ready to deliver the goods for season three. To kickstart this season, we have not only the executive producer of the best Friday night show on telly. Indeed. It is official, isn't it? It is our favourite, I think. But he is also my co-host on Riverside Radio. It is... Drumroll. (laughs) Leon Campbell. Cue the exciting jingle. So, in case you didn't know, Leon is executive producer of Gogglebox. And dun, dun, dun. Sorry. <laughs> well deserved. And if you don't know what that is, then it's official. You have 100% been living under a rock. Leon tells us all about working on Gogglebox within the episode, as well as some of the amazing projects he worked on before that, how he got into producing in the first place, and also gives some great tips for aspiring producers and presenters. So, without further ado... Let's, Let's get, get season two, three, two, one, two, three. Great going. <laughs> Started. Hello. 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 I feel like I already know you, Leon. This I know. I was said the same to Darcy this morning. I said, I feel like I've already met Harry about a thousand times. <laughs> See, I yeah, just so. say such lovely things about both of you. Yeah, of course. Always. That's what our faces. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for coming on the podcast. We're really looking forward to chatting to you. Or interrogating you. <laughs> I know, I'm a bit nervous now. Are you ready no. to be under the spotlight for an hour, Leon? Yes, yes. Let's get cracking. We like to start right back at the beginning. When, when you were a child, what were your aspirations or what were you like? Were you quite academic? Were you very outgoing and always knew you wanted to be in the performing world? Yes. What were you like? That's a good question. I think if I was honest with you, I always fancied my chances working in television. Really? My mum would probably say that because I think I was kind of a bit obsessed with television. She says when I was a toddler, she used to wake up in the morning and they would go downstairs and find me sat in front of the television, (laughs) uh, which I turned on, watching the Open University in Welsh. What? (laughs) Literally just turning it on and watching something on telly. I kind of was just a bit transfixed by it, I think. Oh, wow. And then I always used to say, that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. 
That's quite amazing, really, because that's very specific for like yeah. such a young age. Yeah. Usually it's like a vet, a policeman. Every time anybody said, oh, have you ever thought about being a vet or about being a lawyer or about being a teacher? I go, no, I want to work in television. Wow. It's quite weird, that's... isn't it? I suppose. Mm. Yeah, it's good to have something that you know you want from that age, I mm. guess. So many people don't even know at our age. No, yeah. The more people said, oh, that's really difficult and you won't be able to do that, I suppose, the more I was a bit like, actually, why not? So Hmm. do you think having this like almost tunnel vision for this end goal, do you think that helped or harnessed you in any way? I think, I don't know. It wasn't ever sort of a massively conscious thing. I kind of knew it was weird because I kind of, you know, fine at school I got you know I worked hard and did all that kind of stuff so I wasn't ever sort of worried that I wouldn't be able to do anything else I think I was more kind of intrigued by the sort of glamour and the show mm. business of it all mm. and um and kind of thought well why can't I do that that, that was kind of what it was it, it kind of drove me to kind of I was kind of quite shy so I did do a bit of performing but I was kind of quite shy about that that was the weird thing secretly underneath I thought I know I can do this that's so nice yeah. I like that and what about what about education? Did you find that quite easy or did you try and revolve your education when you got the choice around, around going to TV? I did all right at that. I went. It was a bit complicated, mine, because I went to a school where my mum and dad taught. So Ooh. my uh-huh. schooling was always slightly different because I was always kind of on best behaviour. And <laughs> um, not that I ever wanted to not be weirdly, but I, I always was like trying hard to do my best and to stay under the radar. So I just, I quite liked learning. I, I always liked more arts things mm. English and language and drama and things like that but I you know and I used to have big arguments with my teachers about maths because I absolutely hated it but I could do it but I hated it and I used to just go this is pointless really <laughs> go, but it's not pointless these are life skills I was like no they're not at the first opportunity then did you just stop doing all things like maths and the things you didn't enjoy what, what, what was that stage like university and what what did you study yeah, I originally, so I did my A-levels and then I applied to go and do law because oh. everyone sort of said, oh, you should go and do law um, because it has an element of sort of showmanship in it, I suppose, a little bit. Yeah, like good public speaking and things, yeah. Yeah, and I'd done public speaking competitions and all that kind of stuff and I sang and all this kind of thing. And then I went to an open day at Reading University and I remember being shown round and they kept going, and this is the library where you'll spend huge amounts of your time here you know you, you know there's so much to do you'll be in here all hours of the day and I got home and I got off the train and I said to my dad um I'm not really sure that's for me uh, <laughs> doing all this work and I think that's when I realized that as much as I like information I like learning I love knowing stuff but I just I was I'm not really kind of sit down and study person mm. so then I had a year off and I decided I was going to do politics but mainly steered by the fact that I decided I was going to go to Birmingham University where they had a student TV station. I also knew they had a really good musical theatre group. So when I went there, I did student television every week for three years. I did 10 musicals in three years. And then <laughs> How did, I did you my fit in degree. any studying? Yeah. Well, I didn't. <laughs> that was the purpose. Yeah, I basically worked out if I went to every third tutorial, I wouldn't get kicked off. Oh my goodness. That must came in handy then. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. There's the math. You're right, Harry. That's it. So how was your how was your uni experience? And are you glad that you did that? Obviously it gave you lots of skills that you I'm sure you use now. Yeah, no, I loved it. I actually loved it. I think I just loved being away and being my own person and 
finding my way in the world. So I, I was never daunted by any of that. I, in my year off, I'd been away and worked in France for a bit and then play schemes for the local council at home. And so I, I wasn't sort of shy in, in doing things in that sense. But I think going away, you kind of spread your wings, you know, don't you? Although, interestingly, my grandparents were really gutted that I didn't go to drama school. Really? How and when I talk to you about drama school now, when you've told me about it, I still think, oh, part of me thinks I wish I'd gone to drama school. Really? Mm. I just wasn't good enough, though. Did you study, Harry? Yeah, I went to uni. I went to uni down in Bournemouth and studied sports uh, management. And I've heard, um, I've heard about Darcy's and don't worry, I think we made the right choice. <laughs> yeah, it, sounds, it sounds a lot more of an enjoyable experience, uni yeah. does. Yeah, yeah you're probably school. right. Rose-tinted glasses I've got on it. But I had a great time and I did all the stuff I wanted to do. But, um, but it was all focused. Weirdly, it was all focused on, on, on going to work in telly. That's, That's good that you managed yeah. to keep that vision the whole time. Because I can imagine a lot of people that would, most people probably lose that vision if like hurdles come up. So it's good that you managed to keep that. Well, it's like you say, lots of people, I think, do try and do the like putting off, don't they? It's really hard. Not many people can Mm. do it, which I totally understand because they want you to do something that you can definitely succeed in. But um, it sounds like you just, yeah, you had that determination and it's paid off. I always remember in the final year, all suddenly all these sort of like, you know, my sort of cool friends suddenly started applying for like, uh, graduate trainee schemes at Heinz and sort of you know Morgan Stanley and all this kind of thing and I was like what's happening to you why are you doing this and they were like are you not applying are you not applying and I was like no and like, what are you going to do I was like I don't know I so I went to the Edinburgh Festival and did a musical did you what musical yeah. did you do probably the worst musical you could ever do in Edinburgh a really traditional old-fashioned one called Half a Sixpence did you yeah, yeah, which was an old Tommy <laughs> Steele musical. I know, it was random, so random. But uh, but again, had a brilliant summer because I was like, well, this might be the last time I get to do this. Yeah, it sounds like you're just very good at taking opportunities and kind of just going yeah. with the flow and not panicking. Busking it, I think yeah. is what we call it. Do you know what, though? I think it kind of, I was having a conversation the day about, because um, I'm a freelancer, so I've, and I've all, pretty much always been free, freelance, apart from a little period at the BBC when I was on staff. And... Uh, I think it takes a certain kind of person actually to be able to be a freelancer. Mm. Like it is stressful. And there have mm. been periods in my working life where I've been like, Oh my God, I'm never going to work again. Or I don't mm. know what's going on. But um, I think it suits some people just to feel I can just change. I can go and do yeah. that. I could go and do this. You crave a bit of security, but I think any time where I've had a really long contract or been on staff, I've really not liked it because um, I feel too trapped. So maybe that was the same sort of thing, like everyone going off to do these, we're going to do our corporate training now. And I was like, no, not for me. So, yeah. so what were the next steps for you? So you came out of university, you did the, did the musical, and then what, what did you put forward to go, to go forward from there? Well, then I realised, basically discovered that the way to get into television was to start at the very bottom as a runner. Mm-hmm. Not the bottom, in a sort of, but that's how you get in. You get in as a runner. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was like, right, how am I going to make this happen? I started sending my CV off by post in those days um, to every production company I could find. I bought a book that was all, listed all the production companies. and I just fired out hundreds of letters from my parents' house. And then very weirdly, a guy I'd been in the show with in Edinburgh, his brother was a runner at a production company in London and had a two week holiday. And so I got a phone call saying, would you like to cover that for two weeks? I lived in Cheshire at the time. And I was like, yes. So I literally came down for two weeks 
I slept on a friend's floor and covered this runner's job. And while I was in London, I called another production company that I quite had always sort of fancied working for called uh, Basel, but Basel as it was then, it's now Endemol, which is massive now. And I just happened to get through to an office and they said, I said, oh, I've sent my CV in. I've not heard anything back. And they were like, which was a lie because I had heard back saying, thank you very much. There's nothing. Yeah. And they said, oh, weirdly, we are looking for a runner right now. Are you based in London? And I went, yes. Oh, wow. And so they Amazing. said, can you come for an interview today? I said, yes. And so I literally in my lunch hour ran, had this interview and they said, have you got a car? And I said, yes. I hadn't got a car. <laughs> they said, have you got a mobile phone? I said, yes. I hadn't got a mobile phone. And they said, do you live in London? I said, yes. And I didn't live in London. <laughs> and, I, and between me walking back from the interview to the place I was covering, they called the guy I was working with those two weeks and said, oh, we've just met this guy. Is he okay? And they, they said, yeah, he seems fine. And so I got the job. You're joking. So how yeah. did you scramble together a car and a phone? <laughs> I had to quickly call my to parents. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had to call and say, look, um, can I borrow some money? Because I need to I need to buy a car. I need to move to London. Yeah, basically. <laughs> uh, so it all happened quite quickly like that. Yeah, that's crazy. So how was that, that like experience and just starting like that, moving to London all in one foul swoop? I won't lie. The first time I, I worked on a programme called the Food and Drink Programme, which isn't on telly anymore, but it used to be on every, uh, I think every Thursday or something. Hmm. And um, I was doing three days a week for them. That was it. Right. And on a Friday, my job was to drive into central London to the office, pick up the home economist who did all the food. We then drove to Sainsbury's in Camden, bought all the food for the recording that was going to happen on the Monday. Right. I then had to drive all the food down to past Richmond <laughs> to drop it off at the studio on a Friday night. And we all know Friday night traffic in London is oh, a nightmare. The worst. Yeah. Oh. And the first day I did this, bearing in mind I had never driven in London before, there was no sat nav. I was trying to use an A to Z, and I told them I knew exactly where I was going. Yeah. And it took me so long to get there. And then I was like, oh my God, I've got to go back now. By this point, I was staying with my friend's mum in Crouch End in North London. Oh, and gosh. Um, I had to drive all the way back. And I, had, I literally, at one point, I had to pull the car over and like my eyes were like streaming i was like oh, i don't know where no. i am what am i doing <laughs> and then but i did it and i found my way using the a to z and working out where i was well you started to think at that point oh what have i done yeah <laughs> maybe i've been bit off more than i can chew but i did yeah. it i did it and so i used to do i did that for about um six months that job three days a week wow doing that yeah yeah and then what about obviously so you've, you've told me some things that you've done what when did the bbc internship come into play was yeah. that after yeah, that happened that happened so i did that show and then i did a show called changing rooms which is actually back on telly now but i went on to that with, with the same company and whilst that while I, whilst i was doing that uh, as a runner the bbc trainee scheme was advertised and so i i, <laughs> I was sharing a flat with a friend of mine and, and he was really up for doing this scheme as well and he spent weeks prepping his application all this kind of thing and this is awful but literally the night before the deadline I just went <laughs> deadline and sent it in and he didn't even get an interview actually uh and I got uh interviewed I got interviewed three times um interestingly in a group interview with Stephen Merchant yes who said. also got on the scheme and uh obviously went on to write the office and, and all that kind of stuff but um yeah so I had to do all these interviews and I very 
consciously played it. I did a bit of digging around about this scheme at the BBC, a trainee producers thing. Loads, it was all geared towards people working in very high-end, serious documentaries, mm. which wasn't me at all. And so I thought, right, well, I'm just going to, I've got nothing to lose. I wish I could be like this now, actually. But I thought, I have nothing to lose. <laughs> I literally got my hair bleached. So it was like white. Really? Like yeah. I bought some glasses that I didn't need to try and make myself look a bit more intelligent. <laughs> and I basically went in there saying I wanted to make entertainment shows, thinking... I hope they're looking for someone to say this because I'm sure everyone else is saying I want to make documentaries. Somehow it worked. I tricked wow. into it. I don't know if you're genius or a bit that. of a con man when it comes to <laughs> interviews, Leon. I, know, I kind of wish I had that <laughs> thing about me now. Yeah. What do you think that you don't have that anymore? Well, no, probably not in the same way. I think when you're kind of, you know, at that point I was probably, how old was I? 23? I suppose you've got more on the line now, haven't you? It- mm. Yeah, I didn't have anything to lose. Yeah. I could have stayed working at that company as a runner, which is what everyone else would do and you'd step up a little bit. And I was like, well, I want to make entertainment shows. And I, you know, and I, I talked quite well about them, I guess, but I did my research. But um, Was that for a, for a year or so? Two years. So two then I was on staff at the BBC for two years. Oh, wow. And how was that? It was amazing. It's, it doesn't exist in the same way now, but basically there were nine of us and as a little gang and every three months you got to choose and to go anywhere in the BBC. This scheme paid for you. All the productions would take you because you were free and, you know, free supposedly yeah. quite good. So they would go, yeah, we'll have them. So I went, I worked in Manchester. I made some mad arts documentary for Radio 3. I worked for children's. I worked for entertainment. So I worked some um, everywhere, like loads of places. Did you have a highlight of, of that experience? Well, weirdly, the first placement I had was on the National Lottery show, which is like, a, you know, a big glitzy Saturday night. Yeah. And it used to have a midweek show, actually. And it was kind of just full of like celebrities. And I'd be just like stood in the wings and with Kylie Minogue. And like <laughs> she gave me her whole lottery ticket when as she went on to perform. She said, you know, hold on to that. I might win. And I was like, OK. So suddenly I was like, <laughs> like immersed in this world show this like, world yeah. yeah and I suppose like, as a child that's all, almost what you'd kind of been dreaming of and then to actually but be yeah. there it must have just been really surreal I suppose I liked I loved going to work at the BBC in, in White City it was kind of it was a very iconic building yeah the, in a weird way the best job I ever got was getting that if you see what I mean what you think that it was kind of like a good springboard yeah I think so I think mm. so I mean there was no job at the end of it so I created a job for myself at the end of it. But all that skills and experience that you would have mm. gained in that, that period of time must have helped you take that next step. I think so. It was a bit scary, but I was I basically came, came up with an idea for a show and it got commissioned, basically, to be made. Oh. And so I was like, OK, I'll do that then. It's so random. I kind of make it feel all a bit sort of like casual. But I suppose I, at that point I was like, well, I haven't got a job. So what do you think about this idea? And they were like, oh, yeah, we could make that show. What show was it? It was a terrible show um, <laughs> called Eye Candy. And it was all about how to dress and style yourself like pop stars. Oh. It was a mix of interviews with pop stars and finding out what they wore and why they wore it. And then how to look like that, how to do your makeup. I could so like see that yeah, being a thing now. Yeah, yeah. I Just presented it as well. I, I created it and presented it. Did and you? we found two people to co-present it yeah can we yeah. watch it i want to watch it no you can't oh, is it not on <laughs> youtube sure not? yeah no, i don't think it is thank you i reckon if we dig deep we might be able to find some probably <laughs> yeah so you've done shows like big brother did you do it on x factor 
Factor. I'm a celebrity. I went through a phase of doing kind of big live event shows for BBC, big things mm. in Trafalgar Square, live, like, quite, like exciting big live things. And then I went through a phase then of doing sort of first runs of new series and things like that. I quite liked being involved in the ideas of something, trying to shape that into a show. And basically it's a lot of hustling working in it television. Sounds like kind it. Of you're, you're kind of on that job, but constantly you're trying to work out where where can I go next? Where can I go next? Which is quite tiring. Or trying to come up with new ideas, which it sounds yeah. like you are pretty good at. That's what I like doing. That's what I really like doing. I, I suppose I've always liked that in a way, kind of slightly in television speak. It's kind of like cross-examining the idea and going, okay, that's the that's the obvious way of doing it. But what if we did it this way, or is mm-hmm. it a more interesting way of doing it? And that's what I've always tried to do with things, particularly when you're, when you're early on a project, or you do in television that these roles that they call development which is whole teams that generate ideas all the time we all have apocryphal stories if you've worked in television development where you go well for a joke we always used to at the end of meetings pitch celebrity ski jump as a joke at the end of it you know and everyone went oh imagine if we did celebrity ski jump of course ultimately they do but you know so everyone has these stories of going we used to for a joke say this and there's loads of work done before like the x factor and, and brit's got talent I was doing loads of work trying to push a reinvention of talent shows and things like that. And it never, yeah. none of them quite stuck and, you know, no one quite got into them. From the inside, what do you mm. think it is that, like, makes a show huge? Like, do, do you know? Or is it just luck? It's a combination of three things, I think, mm. which you can't really control. It's timing, luck and talent. And so it's kind of, if those three all coincide at the right point. So in all seriousness, we were, there were lots of companies and I was working for companies pitching sort of reinventions of talent shows just before like X Factor and Pop Idol took off. And I think probably at that point, we were all pitching things that were far too complicated. At that point on television, lots of shows were quite complicated formats. And then this happens and this happens and this happens and this happens. And actually the one that worked was Pop Idol, which was, lit, which was all about the auditions and then the performance shows, which is really simple. Yeah. But yeah. everyone was trying to overcomplicate it and make it about this, that and the other, you know. And so I think it's like with a theatre show, I suppose, that you can have the best production of whatever. If it doesn't get quite get the publicity or mm. not in the quite the right theatre or whatever, it just doesn't take off. There's, you know, so many stories, I suppose, of shows that have kind of been great, but no one's gone to see them. Yeah. My TV career is like that. <laughs> great shows that no one's watched. Well, we all know that's a a big lie because you currently work on Gogglebox, which is a hit sensation, shall we say. Yeah. How has that been? You've been there for quite a few years now, haven't you? Yes, I have. I think I can't actually remember. This is how long I've been there. I can't remember if it's five or six years now. But um, I tell you what's interesting is if you work in the creative world, I suppose, or particularly television, is when I started, obviously, Gogglebox didn't exist. So I never set out to make this show because it wasn't on telly. And actually, I remember bizarrely being called about the very first series and, and someone called me and said oh look they're doing this show and it's people watching telly are you free and I was like oh it sounds actually quite weird and interesting but actually I'm not free so I didn't go and do it but um yeah so I've been there a long time and now it's nice to be part of something that is popular I'll tell you that <laughs> so yeah very popular you all work on shows which nobody watches which is quite heartbreaking it's very nice working on a show that you don't have to explain what it is <laughs> to most people, apart from my mum who doesn't watch it. What? Uh, She's and I overheard. It. I overheard my mum 
uh, <laughs> telling a friend, explaining to a friend of hers who also doesn't watch it, what it is. <laughs> and this was her description of it because I could hear them. I was at home. My mum said, oh, yes, so Leon's makes Gogglebox. And this friend went, uh, oh, I don't know. I don't know that. I've never seen it. And my mum said, ah, well, the thing about it is people who like it really seem to like it. <laughs> that was how she described the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah millions of them yeah yeah <laughs> i was like i don't okay. think on them many people <laughs> yeah. and well what... my mum makes up for that she as you know yeah. is your mum is a mega fan. fan she mm. is as is harry's granny actually yeah, to be honest, she loves it there's so many people that i don't think i've met someone that doesn't like gogglebox to be honest it does seem that like almost what your mum's saying it does seem when someone's a fan of it they do love it it's their but favorite I don't, isn't but it? i haven't yeah, met anyone 100%. that's yet to say that they don't like it so i think you're doing pretty well so far i'll take all the credit for that <laughs> <laughs> so for people that maybe don't know tv and the roles that well you are the executive producers one of two so would you mind talking us through kind of like what your roles are maybe a, a day-to-day scenario for you if i told you what i did day-to-day they'd probably sack me darcy because <laughs> they'll go well hang on a minute that doesn't sound very much there's two of us who basically make the show well, not make, but oversee the show. Mm-hmm. And the job, I suppose, is to... The things that are important to the show is to find the stuff for the families to watch. And we have a team that watches hours and hours and hours of telly. And, <laughs> and then it basically comes to us to kind of help shape that for things that we think we can make into a Gogglebox package. So I suppose ultimately we're going, yeah, I think that will work and I think that will work. And then what happens is then as the stuff is filmed and the editing process starts myself and my, and my colleague we we are the ones who then go in and look at the packages and help get them down from you know two and a half hours down to five minutes and it is very full on because you have episodes every single friday yeah. for how many weeks is it it's weeks and weeks 15 weeks so right. you are really like having to churn out this content very quickly so i mean you you sound like you're playing it down but that that is intense work isn't it really it can be intense and i think because we have um we set ourselves quite a high standard for things we always want everything to be as funny and as sharp or as emotional or as poignant or as shocking almost Mm -hmm. as we can make it and that's um i suppose that's one of my jobs is to make sure that we keep that up that we don't sort of slip a bit and have a bit of a lazy week yeah i suppose that's ultimately what the job is it's a, a responsibility for delivering the show every week this year another great thing is you won an nta we did we did so we did we did it was um that was very exciting we hadn't won for a couple of years and you kind of think by then that sort of the novelty's worn off of the show winning things you know so it was a very nice thing to happen this year. Public vote. It's always nice when the public vote for things. In a weird way, it's a bit overwhelming, I suppose, because you're representing a massive team of people who've worked week in, week out, basically, mm. through the whole pandemic. I mean, you know, we didn't miss a show. That was amazing. I think that yeah. really kept people going, having something fresh and new to look forward to each mm. week. I think that was a big kind of tick and pass on the back for everyone who made the show, really. Mm. So it's like we managed mm. to do it. What would you say is um, uh, hurdles that you've had to overcome? Do you know what? It's always hard because one thing about television, this is why I think you've got to be the right kind of person to work in this kind of industry. In as much as there's lots, if you, you, you can find yourself in a gang of people who all move around and make the show. So the same group of people often make 
I'm a celebrity and then they'll go and do right it's got talent and they'll go into the voice and um you can sometimes find yourself outside if you're outside those groups who are very talented and very good at what they do sometimes you do feel like you're outside things you think why why can't I go and work on that show that's what I'd like to do and so then you have to sort of sort of if you still want to do that sort of find your routine I suppose and I've had two points where I left telly completely and went and worked in live events it's not not television at all because I kind of felt I needed to change things up a little bit I got a bit stuck and frustrated so ultimately when you face these kind of hurdles because you sound like I mean and I know you're a very determined person and all these things you've been talking about today you you know you had a clear idea of what you wanted to do so you know when you face these hurdles do you have any ways that you overcome them is there something you tell yourself is there something you know is it is removing yourself from a situation something that you kind of consciously do to get a fresh outlook Yes, I think that's quite healthy. There's quite a lot of people in television who just live for television, live in that. So all their friends are in television. They socialise with television people. That's all they do. I think theatre is probably the same, or it can be, I imagine. That's to do with the hours. But, And I think from quite early on, I was pretty determined to maintain friends who weren't in television as well. So you step out of that bubble. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, things I used to do, I've sung with a really cool, a really nice choir where I made a load of friends who none of them are connected with telly. They're, you know, they're teachers and social workers and lawyers and that kind of thing. So, but going and doing that, which was something for pleasure and I enjoyed the singing and performing. It's things like that that I think help you keep a bit um, of a reality check going on, I suppose. Yeah. And I think that's nice advice in whatever job you do, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, completely. And I think particularly in television, there certainly was a bit of a trend for people to just hang around at work for hours and hours and hours. And it became quite a thing where you when no one felt they could go home or... Yeah, because you know, then you like, well, if they're staying, I better stay. I mm. better stay, yeah, yeah. 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 Mm. I once tried to stage a revolution at a production <laughs> I won't mention, uh, not recently, because everyone was really tired of being stuck there to like 10 or 11 o'clock at night, sort of pointlessly... And I was like, right, at six o'clock today, <laughs> let's all just get up and say, right, we finished the day. That's the end of our day. So at six o'clock, I stood up and went, right, come on, let's go. Did no everyone else? Oh. No one else did. And I was like, okay, <laughs> bye then. Like, that. That oh, no. But I think that's the pressure sometimes of those kind of jobs that you're, because there's no, um, there's no corporate structure. There's no, particularly, there isn't really an HR department. There's, you know, that you're kind of, you fend for yourself, really. Mm. Is that kind of people working up? And if someone else is working harder than... A little bit like that. So it's kind of like, it kind of, it works in one way in as much as it means people can move mm. all over and do all kinds of things. But sometimes you can feel a bit like, oh, I'm not, I'm not in the gang, so I'm not getting anywhere. Or, yeah. oh, you know, if I, if I don't stay till 10 o'clock, you know, they're going to give someone else the next job. But there certainly was a bit of that. And that sort of, subsiding a bit now but but certainly i would say about 15 years ago there was a real problem with that i think people feeling a bit you need to play the game a bit Mm. which i was never particularly interested in playing the game something else we wanted to talk about leon was the presenter studio that you and gareth have set up and are doing great things with which 
it's kind of like almost it's like you're trying to solve the problem you're just talking about like trying to help new budding presenters producers even people that aren't necessarily in that industry try and progress their public speaking their presenter skills so was that the reason you started it or thought of it where did the presenter studio come from well there's two reasons actually that's one reason is that gareth and i both working in television kept getting really frustrated that on-screen talent the pool was really small and Mm. you know you were like you're desperately looking for new people all the time and what would happen is people would send their show reels and things or you'd see a show and you'd be like oh that's no use that's not what we want you're pretending to be a presenter that's that's kind of the wrong thing to do and so we'd had this idea and we'd work with talent before and help them get on telly I suppose and I suppose so that's the one that's the sort of like holistic reason the other reason was both being freelance we were like we might need something to fall back on yeah if we're out of work and so we were like and it was more Gareth's idea, really, to begin with. So, like, well, why don't we try and set up a company, a business that that genuinely works with people and trains people and passes on our expertise, I suppose, or uh, not, or knowledge, I suppose. It was about basically saying to people, look, if you want to be on telly, nobody wants a presenter. What they want is a personality, and they might want your personality. So, what you need to do is showcase your personality. No one watches. Um, Davina McCall and goes, do you know what's so brilliant about Davina McCall is the way she reads an auto cue? (laughs) Or Davina McCall is amazing using an earpiece. They go, I love Davina McCall because she's like, I really connect with her. She feels real or she's this or she's that. And so we really kind of, that's what we work on. People who want to be on telly or now quite a lot of um, corporate company people, you know, who have to give talks or do internal videos or whatever it is. And so it's about kind of, um, I guess, being yourself. Definitely. Yeah, that's brilliant. And it's so nice that you, you're you both willing to share all this experience and skills as well, because it's basically doing... For money, Darcy, for money. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's, it's, free. it's nice to welcome new people into the industry and, and try yeah. and help widen the pool, like you say, because there are very well, limited ways into television, as you know yourself. Um, yeah. So I think it's great. Well, the thing, it's quite frustrating because, again, if there's two sides to it, the channels and the you know who pay for all these shows they're always looking for new talent there's nothing Mm. better than discovering an exciting new talent and going yes we discovered this person they're brilliant you know but equally channels can be really risk averse they go well do we want a new talent or should we just get holly willoughby to do it Mm. you know and that's and they go well let's find the money and we'll get holly willoughby to do it whereas if the new talent is really exciting and offering something a bit different and new they stand a chance, you know, but that's the competition. You're competing with people who are already on telly. Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> it's tough. That's tough. It's but tough. everybody who's on telly had to start somewhere. And then, as you were saying, you do have many hobbies or a few hobbies. One of them, obviously your favourite, being presenting with me on Riverside Radio. <laughs> oh, yes. Sorry, that was my favourite. I'll just change that. Yes. I was going <laughs> to ask you... Favorite, I, I was going to ask you the highlight of your career, but I already know. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that, so yes. I do love doing that. I love doing that. Why did, why did you start? What made you start presenting at Riverside? Do you know what? It was a bit of a... I think because I'd had little tastes of presenting. When I was a student, I used to present and produce stuff. And then when I started out my work in telly... I was trying to be a bit of a jobbing presenter as well and that kind of thing. And then 
I'd never actually done radio and there was a girl in the choir I was in and she had started working for what was then Wandsworth Radio and there's now mm-hmm. Riverside Radio. And she was asking me just about, I know, how to be a better presenter and all that. Lot. And I said, oh, and I listened to her stuff. And I said, oh, you know, just make sure you're talking to someone real when you're doing it because it's, it, you can hear it in your voice. You know, you, you just talk better if you're talking to a real person. It's, it's like presenting. If you're talking to a real person, you're just more naturally yourself, like you would on the phone. And um, so I listened to her stuff. And then I said to her, well, actually, I've always fancied having a go. And she said, well, just drop them a line. So I did. And I, I came up with a show that I used to do on a Sunday night called The Cheese Board, uh, which was guilt-free, guilty pleasures. Love and um, I just started doing it. And I just really liked it. And, you know, I wasn't very good to begin with. I used to kind of, you know, it takes a while to refine your radio style and your voice and find out what you're better at doing. And then, mm-hmm. and then the breakfast show came up. And so I did it on my own for quite a long time. And now I'm very relieved not and to do it on my crashed. own all the time. <laughs> no, I'm very relieved about that. Um, <laughs> but I suppose it's the same thing for you. I suppose it hopefully will help you get where you want to get to and meet different people. Yeah, it's a great experience. And I get to work with people like you that, you know, I would never get to do it at this stage of my career anywhere else. At godly hours think, of the day. Yes. But We're I think walking in at seven o'clock on a Monday morning. <laughs> You know, it is the highlight of my week, that 5.45 a.m. <laughs> alarm. I don't get up quite as early as you, though, Darcy, and sort of contemplate the world. like. Well, do, I've so. got a bit yeah, more contouring to, to do than you have, so. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I do love doing that. I think, actually, if someone would pay me to work on the radio, I would very happily do that. I could so see you working in radio. Mm, that would be the dream. A full-time gig. The full-time yeah definitely like you sort it out for me yeah darcy i'm gonna do my best actually (laughs) i put it out there into the universe now so it's only a matter of time that is out loud (laughs) so obviously aside from working on riverside with me and tom what has been a highlight of your career (laughs) so far (laughs) i have to say i have been very lucky in some of the sort of twists of fate that have taken me on to some some mad projects and actually strangely it's not even a tv project that i think is the highlight of my career it was i had some time out from telly and i went to work in large-scale events which took me to working at the ceremonies for the olympic games mm-hmm. in 2008 in china and then in beijing and then in 2012 in london Mate. and i think being a producer on those ceremonies and basically producing the closing of the paralympic games with cold play and being a producer involved in the closing of the London 2012 and a bit in the opening, I was there underneath the big mound on the opening night with Sir Tim Berners-Lee. I think that's, in terms of something I've done. How have we only just come across that at the end? That sounds amazing. Yeah, sorry, we yeah, brushed a... over that. Yeah, I feel we? like you two, <laughs> you two know too, yeah, too that, much about each other yeah. already. So we've, that was, we've a, just... that was a, I think that was the highlight. In terms of like mad things that you end up, like I could never have thought that that would happen to me and then weirdly there was a sort of opportunity to go off and do more Olympic stuff if I want probably if I'd wanted to the organization that must go into an event like that must just be overwhelming like that must it wasn't just me it wasn't just me (laughs) it wasn't just me um but I think that being part of that being there on the opening night of the Olympic Games which is the most watched event in history Mm. yeah I was gonna say that must be just crazy amount of views on that yeah yeah like billions Mm. it's the most watched thing on the planets ever and so i was there for that and 
uh, it, literally underneath the mound. I don't know if you remember, there was sort of a big mound hill in the middle. And one of the scenes was um, Sir Tim Berners-Lee, who created the World Wide Web. I was kind of looking after him and putting him in place. And then he gave me his phone. So I was underneath because at a certain point in the show, a tweet was sent from his phone. So when he created the web, mm. he said, this is for everyone. And he gave it to the world for free. And so as part of the show, a tweet had to be sent from his phone, which went all around the world saying, this oh, is wow. for everyone. I sent that from his phone. Oh my gosh, that's so and cool. I was so scared that his phone was going to lock on me. Yeah. <laughs> I kept going, refresh, 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 <laughs> like that. That's um, amazing. Yeah, so that was quite exciting. And then on the closing ceremony of the Olympic Games, I spent a week with the Pet Shop Boys looking after them, <laughs> and getting them on, being their little producer to get them in the show and that kind of thing. So Hearing all like these different things that you've done and all the skills that you must have like, I'm so learned young, along the Darcy. way. I know, that skin, <laughs> I mean. Um, but well, I'd love to know that. Like, have you got a top three or top five skills that you think are just essential as a producer? Mm. I'm guessing organisation must be one of them. Yes, um, I think mm, that's quite interesting. Yeah, I would say you have got to be creative in all kinds of things. So creative to respond to things quickly and think about things creatively. So I think that's that's what makes a good producer. I think you've got to be flexible because things change all the time. Yeah. All the time. So you've got to be very calm and flexible in that sense. So sort of being able to, okay, this is now what's happened. So now we're going to do this. So I suppose there's that. I think creative, a bit of flexibility. I think you've got to have a bit of um, Jewish phrase, chutzpah about you. (laughs) Kind of like you just, you know, chance it and get on with it. That makes a good producer, I think. A bit of kind of... Something, something. A little bit like that, yeah. You've got to have a bit of stamina, I think, because you get shunted around a bit and you you can find yourself in a bit of a dead end somewhere and you've got to go, right, okay. Strangely, I suppose in that instance, after I'd done the, <laughs> the Olympics and I'd had a bit of time out and I thought, brilliant, I'll come trailblazing back into television. Everyone will want to work with me because I've just produced these massive shows. Nobody was interested at all. And that's kind of quite good in a weird way because it forced me to rethink and go okay and then it took me into doing a load of reality telly that I'd never done before and and working my way through that I suppose you've got to be a bit resilient as well and I'm not saying that I'm calm with all that because there have been periods where I've been like terrified that I'm never going to work again and you know been out of work and no nothing going on you know so it's not been a bed of roses by any means but I think just having the a bit of get up and go and a bit Mm. of belief in your own abilities not in an arrogant way just a bit of like okay you know, I can kind of, I think I can make something happen here. Mm-hmm. So you yeah. do a bit of engineering and a bit of positioning. This question is kind of very much on the same topic with the skills and stuff, but is there a bit of advice you'd give to your younger self, whether that's right back in the beginning or now that you're in the in the industry? Yeah, that's a good question. I think probably don't try and push too far too soon. And that's I kind interesting. Of rem- mm. Yeah, because I think I remember at one point being really focused about getting a title, the next title up, the next title up, the next title up. I thought by 30, I need to be this. And by 35, I need to be this. And I think I was so driven by that. And then I got a bit bit disappointed when that didn't happen. But actually, I think it makes you a better producer. Mm. I've taken a bit of time to go and do different things because what, what there was a real trend at the time for people to be 
promoted very quickly and quite young. And, mm. and I don't think that that leads you anywhere because if you don't have the skills of, you've not made very much or you, you haven't worked on flops or you haven't worked on things that have been really complicated or things that you haven't really mm. liked or yeah. you have liked. And so I think it's just having a bit of conf- confidence to like not run before you can walk. Riverside Radio we do like to ask all of our guests Leon is there a song that you put on when you're feeling down to pick yourself back up or just put on to have a boogie around the kitchen just a song that really makes you feel good and we can all shove on after this and have a good boogie too do you know what I really really like and it reminds me of being a bit of a carefree kid is you might not even know that no you will know this you will, you will know. <laughs> Power of Love by Huey Lewis and the News from yeah. uh, from Back to the Future. Is it? Oh, that's that interesting. Puts such a spring in my step because it takes me back to being about I don't know eleven or twelve years old. Oh, that's a and nice like full one. of kind of like yeah, you know, bouncing around <laughs> the bed. To that. I'll, I'll often put that on. Actually, I've never told anyone that. That's like my little secret go to. Uh, Five years time exclusive days. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> you know the song. You know it. Yeah, of course. I need to, I need to listen to it. Darcy's, You'll know it. Darcy's knowledge of, of songs. You definitely know it, I think, Harry, when you hear it. Yeah. You know it. Yeah. Yeah. Leon always looks ashamed of me when I don't know songs of a certain <laughs> era. <laughs> no, not ashamed. <laughs> just disappointed. Which is worse. Even worse. <laughs> I thought of another song, actually. If it's not Huey Lewis and the News, The Power of Love, it would be Queen, One Vision. Oh. Mm. Which, again, it takes me back to being about, well, I must have been 17 or 18 because I used to drive around the hills where my near where my parents lived, listening to that very Aww. loud in a very old Citroen car. The last question we've got for you, Liam, is where would you like to see yourself in five years' time? <laughs> well, that's a, it's a tricky question, isn't it? That's, it is actually complicated, isn't it? What would I like to be doing? Where would I see myself? I would. I'd like to just still be, be feeling happy. I suppose yeah. that sounds really cheesy. No, no, I like that, that sounds lovely. I, I suppose as you get older, your ambition slightly changes. So, whereas I was saying earlier in my career, I was like, I want to be running a production company. I want to be owning this. I want to be in charge of this. Or that's really kind of gone away, I think. I just like to be able to enjoy what I'm doing, actually. So I don't want to feel like I'm just doing a job. And I think that's that's the that's the thing for me. I don't want to feel like I'm having to take a job because I need to take a job, which would be which is extremely luxurious to be in that. that and so that's where I'd love to be, to feel like actually I'm doing this because I want to do it, not because I yeah. have to. Yeah. So that would be a nice ambition. Whether that will happen or not, I don't know. But I would like, I mean, I suppose I would like to not have to be in London. Go and do Radio Cornwall's breakfast show. <gasps> yeah, that would be nice. That would be, be fun, wouldn't it? Oh, thank you, Leon. It's been so nice chatting to you. No, it's been lovely. And I hope I haven't talked too much. Well, we did it, babe. First episode did. complete. Smashed it out of the park, didn't High we? High five. <laughs> and thank you so much Leon we absolutely loved chatting to you and that was your first time meeting him what did it you was. think he was such a nice guy just what I thought he'd be to be honest I obviously hear him on the radio all the time but he's so nice oh that's nice yeah 
And what a career to have as well, when you only just mentioned that you worked at the Olympics in passing. I know, he's done some amazing projects, all the reality TV, the Olympics, now Gogglebox. You know, if you want to check out one of his biggest projects, Riverside Radio, you can find us on a Monday on DAB online or on your smart speaker. We're there from 7 till 10am and, you know, it's one not to miss, to be quite frank with you. It's one of a kind, (laughs) banging out S Club 7 and... All of those other great hits. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Apart from that, we'll be back next Monday, same time, same place, with a brand new episode and a brand new guest. Let's do it. Have you got anything to add? Not really, to be honest. (laughs) Okay, we'll just (laughs) end it there then. (laughs) See you next week. Bye. Better not put my bag in. Oh, I'll be putting the bag in. <laughs>